0: moving. How scary is that? Everybody's moving and talking. You, like, I'm the only one moving and talking. Thank you for your your love and your support and celebrate. If you have a Bible with you this morning, there are three very quick passages of scripture that I would like to uh, focus on. And as most of you know, we have been the past several weeks that we've been together. We've been talking a lot about the interaction of the mind, of the heart, and of the mouth. Hundreds, not dozens, but hundreds of references in the word of God. How what you think in your heart you speak. And the, 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 the alignment of those three things. I know everybody's looking for the alignment of the blood moon. And that's something that we look physically. But spiritually there are things that that we begin to grasp and realize. That certain facts that really are true. And as I pondered, I believe... Um, I believe. I believe in February. I believe Church of the Harvest will be 25 years of age. And as I ponder and reflect, it seemed like it was just yesterday that we were at the bread store, or just yesterday that we were at Faith Memorial. Just yesterday, when hundreds of people were coming from every direction, restoration, healing, salvation. It's hard to believe that 25 years has come and gone in that window, and so many, so many things have happened. In the 25 years, but I will reflect on one thing. Of the 25 years God has blessed us, God has been faithful. And God has financed that which we have uh, dreamed and envisioned. And the things that God has nudged, we have pursued and followed up on. And as I look back over the past 25 years and this morning as we get ready to reflect on the Word of God, you you almost question yourself as to what could... I possibly say today, or what could I possibly share today that will affect in some way or another how we respond tomorrow or how we live this week or how it would apply to our marriage, our family, our finances. And and again, we look at the foolishness of the preaching of the word. The Apostle Paul said that what we do is really foolish when you think about people coming together every single Sunday morning, and not just in their worship and their praise, but in the attitude of, I'm going to learn something today that's going to change me. I'm going to learn something today that's going to heal me. I'm going to learn something today that's going to restore me. And again, 25 years, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And uh, this, this morning, as I was uh, reflecting upon some of the notes, I just got to reflecting about the uh, fact that people... Are never happy with what they are or what they become, so they always try to change it. The blonde becomes a brunette. Hello, the brunette becomes a redhead. Two percent of everybody in the nation wishes they were redheaded. And Josh has the he has the uh, Utorium on, on that. But how how wild and how how crazy that that what we do in our everyday living. It's like we don't really like where we are or where we're going but there is a obviously there's a there's a window in there to change where we are and to change where we're going and I reflect I guess of the fact that there are many in this room that you know you might you might be pale white but you want to be tan or you might be tan you might be pale white it's like it's like all you white people want to be red like my people Indians and how we will go uh, before the sun and we will lay out before the sun god and we'll put on all the all the things so that our skin doesn't fry and we don't get that weird cancer thing and get moles and then we will get up and we'll look in the mirror and we really look pretty much the same only maybe a different tone or different and and you you, you reflect on standing in the presence of the sun and what it does when you lay before the sun obviously it it, it does not tan you but it kills the the dead cells in your skin and your skin will peel and you will you'll peel back, and you got brand new, brand new skin. But I guess it's just a, I guess tanning in a tanning bed or tanning in a, on, on a Florida beach is a lot like coming to the house of God week after week after week. That hopefully in the presence of God, there is some kind of change. Hopefully, it's somewhere the Bible says, we'll come in one way, we'll leave another. Hopefully, however, you came in, you will leave this place with the glow of the Lord with the joy of the Lord, with the, the love of God, that something obviously changed you or touched you. And then hopefully in, in, a, in a ministry session, you'll look at stuff in your life that really is not important, is not consistent, a lot of stuff that we focus on that's not important, not consistent, and hopefully that's dead skin. Hope that is stuff that you will shake off before you leave this place and you will leave with a new thought or, or a new idea. And you say, well, how can you possibly come up with anything new When you've been doing this, actually, I believe I am full-time 33 years, uh, Easter Sunday. I mean, for 33 years, we have the same Bible, the same message, the same thought, the same thing. But it it is ironic how the thought or the theme never gets old. It never gets old. I remember uh, the day that uh, Courtney was born. I I had scheduled my meetings not to be on the road uh, during Pastor Ron of the final weeks of her pregnancy. And I, re- I remember uh, that particular Sunday morning, I visited Westwood Baptist. And as I was there, I was actually in the congregation. I was not ministering, but I learned what the amen corner was. And I had never experienced an amen corner before in a Baptist church. And it was, it was, I thought it was really cool. And then at the end, the pastor, you know, said, let's close in prayer. Well, it was probably about 1,500 people building. And Misha, I realized that it was only him and me praying. He was praying, and I was praying, and it was it was silent. All and I got to, I, but but the point I wanted to make, the word that I got that morning from Bob Bell, who's we've done funerals together, what he's going to be with the Lord, but the word that I got from Bob Bell that morning in that Baptist congregation, with that Baptist Amen corner, with the hymns, the choir robes, and all this attached to worshiping God in a, in a in a Baptist scenario, I left blessed. I I I mean I left, and then and then. A few years later, I had all the staff. We were at, uh, we were at, at PTL, and PTL was at its finest. And I, re- I remember uh, in, that, in that, that time that we were together, there was a death one of our young people that had come to church a few weeks, had, had kind of been away from God, had come to church a few weeks earlier, and had committed her heart to the Lord and uh, was involved in a horrible ac- accident. She was killed. And I had to come home early, and I had to uh, preach the funeral, and that was my first Catholic funeral. I'd never, I've never uh, been involved at all in a Catholic service, but I was there. I was involved with the, uh, with the uh, help me, the, um, the incense where they would light, light, the, light the things, and they'd walk around, and and, they were, and the incense got all everywhere. And the things that you go, if you've ever been to a Catholic service where the priest puts the, the wafer on your mouth, a little chiclet, and you drink a little miniature, and, and you do communion. And I got to reflecting, Donnie, after, after that service was over, I left that service changed. That something about the Word of God or something about looking at it maybe from another angle, another perspective. So I have learned that whether you fellowship in a full-blown, charismatic, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, pulpit-jumping, I don't think I can jump this one, but there was one earlier in my ministry that I could, whether you come from a Baptist scenario or a Catholic scenario, you, can't, you cannot go to church and not be blessed and not be changed. And so I, I guess that we reflect today how much we decide we want to be changed and how much we decide we want to be blessed. And do we want to learn stuff that will help us be better tomorrow than we were today? And so with that, with that thought in mind, if you go with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter, one of literally the most powerful teachings of the Apostle Paul so many things in here but i can do all things through christ which strengthens me one of the most one of the most quoted verses in the bible and then my god shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus what a wonderful powerful passage and then he reflects on that we are not to worry or be frustrated or be upset but then he gives us a list that we think that we think about What things are true lovely, virtuous, pure. Think on these things. A lot of people really miss the, they miss the revelation there. But in this storm that the Apostle Paul is going to talk about, in the middle of this storm, those in the storm begin to reflect on the goodness of God, the blessings of God, what is the true, lovely, and pure. And as they begin to turn their thought process from the negative that they are in and step into the, pos- the positive thought process of thinking about the things of God that bring joy and bring encouragement. Apostle Paul said, if you will arrest your mind, and you'll think these thoughts and walk in these thoughts, and something happens, it's like a door opening. If I do this, God will do that. Well, if I reflect on the things of God, the blessings of God, the Bible says that the God of peace shall be with me. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, a uh, paranoid statement. I don't think that's a... Uh, evangelistic statement, I believe literally that when you're going through a storm or going through frustration or hurt or a pain and you purposely reflect and order your mind, are you with me? Order your mind to stop thinking about this negative and start thinking about the positive, that things begin to change and all of a sudden it's almost like that the presence of God walks in the room and you realize you're not alone. Can anybody relate to that thought process or what, what God can say or what God can do? And so it's like, it's like right, there on, right there in life, we're given guidelines, what to think, what to speak, what to believe, and we have the promise that God will change us. And it's not just, it's not just a peace, but it's a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, you explain that? Uh, I will. There are, there are scenarios in your life. That bad things are going to happen. And there's scenarios in your life where you're going to see God's going to restore some bad things. There's going to be scenarios in your life where, where you got sick or you went through a divorce or you went through a financial. And, and so I think that if we're not careful, we can focus more on why did God let me go through this than to focus on God wants to be with me in the storm and wants me to walk through my healing in, in the In the world, say that with me, in the world, world. there are two things that we will pursue in the world. And the reason we pursue those two things is you've got to remember you were made in the likeness and in the image of God. Now, you don't use all of your brain capacity. You use a portion of that, but you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, when God puts you together, he put a couple of things in you That will never be complete until you tie in or plug into the purpose and plan that He has for life. Let me say it again. The world in the world. And unfortunately, I started at a very young age and that was to pursue the buzz. And I want to pursue the high. I want to pursue the high of alcohol. I want to pursue the the mellow of, of opiates. I wanted that. That was something that that I began a journey and begin to medicate so that I could feel one of two things, happy, and alcohol and cocaine and meth will certainly bring on that appearance, or chilled out, mellow. And we know that hydros and morphine and, and different things can bring us to a place. So those two buttons in our heart in our spirit, the button of peace and the button of joy, which are the, two, which are the only two things a drug addict pursues. They either want to get, help me now, they would, there are two things that will happen. There will be that. That would be you get all drunk, get all happy, you're all that, and you fall asleep. When you wake up, you're just as miserable you were when you got drunk. Hello. Or, or you get all mellowed out, and you do a bunch of drugs, and you sleep, and you wake up, and somebody took your car while you were asleep. Anybody relate to that? So how ironic that God puts those two. I, I don't know whether to call it a channel or, or, a, or, a, or a beeping system or a monitor, but there's just something about the desire to be peaceful, really, bottom line, not a lot. although they act like they do, a lot of people don't want to be stressed out. A lot of people don't want to be worried. A lot of people don't want to be frustrated. Then there are those that seem like it doesn't matter what you do or what you say. I mean, if Jesus came today, they'd be mad because he didn't come Monday. Hello. Or if they got healed today, they'd get mad. Well, why didn't God heal me three months? Hello. So there's this, there's this peace that we are pursuing, and Philippians 4 tells us how to pursue that peace. And if you'll go with me to the fourth chapter, and again, I only, have, I only have three points that I want to make this morning, and we're going to race to the Baptist, see if we can get to Chili's Restaurant before they do. You could actually start um, at verse 1, but I'm going to start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, we rejoice. And so if there was ever a desire to pursue the mellow things of God, there's also a desire, God says, in our heart and spirit, is to, is to pursue the supernatural things of God, which is the ability to rejoice when bad things happen to good people. Do I have a, a friend in the building that's with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. And he reiterates, again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Verse six is my focal point this morning. Be anxious for nothing, or be careful for nothing, but in everything. Look at that word, every. Everything. I think a lot of times we'll blow through a word of a passage of scripture, or blow through a thought, or a, or a or a theme, and completely miss the whole idea of where the Apostle Paul is trying to take us today by the leading of the Holy Ghost. He said, "In everything, by prayer and supplication." With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Watch this. We talk, we've been talking about the heart, been talking about the, the mind, been talking about the mouth. And here the Apostle Paul gives us a formula for per, not just pursuing, but pursuing and finding. How many know it's nice not just to look for something, but to find it? I remember I remember and this happens all the time. I personally believe that angel has borrowed my fleece hand warmers and has not brought them back because I got so cold yesterday morning, well, how cold did you get? Let me tell you something, it was cold, so I went back to the house and I went through all my stuff. I started calling, but i didn't, but I have a feeling that that fleece thing is somewhere in his possession because I would not but how much, how much it's, it's like a it's like when you find something, it's like a light comes on, and it's like Wow, that is cool. Or you're going through, going through your, I forgot what we were doing. Pastor I was going through her stuff, and she found like a $100 bill. Now, to you, a $100, $100 bill not, not, might not be a big deal right now. But to us, a $100 bill is a big deal. And so we wrestled. I got in her headlock, and I took it away from her. And I went and bought me a new fleece hand warmer, bought Angel 1 a case. have. Boy, I got some, got some pretzels, got some batteries. You know, I just got to Walmart on a, on a bench. <laughs> I'm going to Walmart. I'm rich. Can can anybody? But there's just just something about pursuing and finding. There's just something about that. And the secret that I believe that God gives us this morning through the Apostle Paul is not to worry about anything. Now, you've been around me any time at all. You know the words that are coming out of my mouth. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do. But it doesn't get you anywhere. Joyce Meyer says that worry is the down payment. You, is it worry is the down payment you pay on things that probably are never going to happen. Right. Probably, probably. The thing it is so crazy the things that we will worry about that we're afraid are going to impact our life and it never in any way, shape, or form manifests itself. And it was it was ludicrous to even worry about it. I remember all of us can relate to. Um, December 31st, 1999, I know that the few months before, there was such a panic on the Y2K thing. And it was a panic that how, how are all these systems going to flip over and how is the water system going to filtrate and how is the computer, what the world's the computer going to do is going to roll over. 2,000, never been before. And there, was, there were people that were selling you like uh, rations uh, the the, 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 MR, the MREs that you, you had, store your water up man we were getting blankets we were getting pillows we were getting bottled water we were getting and all that and we didn't call it Y2K we called it the Joseph Project just in case I mean just in case something we were ready we had we had charcoal we had your, your reader's digest novels several of them that you could read and, and so we kind of had a little and then, and then the funny part I don't know how many were with me there's probably half a dozen with me when we were here in the sanctuary having a, uh, a New Year's Eve service, and it was like, man, it was like we, we were packed, and people were, we were eating, we were goofing around. So I told the ushers, listen, right when we count it down, 10, 9, 8, 7, and we when go right the zero, turn all the electric off in the building. All the, I mean, all the lights, everything complete. So, and there's probably at least 200 here in the building. We're just, wouldn't you say that? And all of a sudden, Y2K, we count it down. All of a sudden, complete dark, complete darkness. And then we didn't leave it dark for 10 seconds. We didn't want to commit suicide or real freak out or so. And you know, we turn the light back on and go, psych. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the things that we could illustrate in our life that were ridiculous, that we look back now and we laugh. But in 1999, it was not a laughable. I mean, we are coming to the end of the world. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We're all going to die. We're all going to this. We're all going to that. And how many times since then, since 1999, how many times since then have there been things in our life that has simply overwhelmed us? Now, here is the piece that passes on understanding. In 34 years, I have conducted at least 500 weddings and probably 300 funerals. And there's something about a funeral that you speak when the person is a believer that does not happen at funerals where the person is not a believer. I believe that there is a a special, a precious anointing called peace. And I believe that when we begin to go through storms that wreck our life, And it affected us directly and got us messed up and got us unfocused, is what I'm looking for, that there is something that we can tap into. I like the Christmas tree. There's so many things you do the Christmas tree, but you can go to Walmart and you buy a little thing for a dollar and you put it on the end of the plug before you plug the tree in and it makes the tree blink. I think that there are areas of, our, how many, don't you love that? Don't you hate it when one bowl's bad, the whole tree goes bad? That is so frustrating. You know, take, take the tree to Walmart. There, are have to go to Walmart again and get something against for it. But I, I believe there are seasons in our life when words, statements, cards, gifts cannot do what needs to be done. And that's when God will turn on. The peace passeth all understanding. And all of a sudden, no matter matter where you're at, no matter where you're in the storm, it's like, I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. So here the Apostle Paul is saying, whatever you do, don't let worry, don't let doubt, don't let fear intimidate you. But make sure and work on the promises that God has already given you. Now, there have been several prophecies that have been, that have been brought in my direction that I will live, that I will live long, that I will live, to be, I will live to be a healthy age. And so I guess just the fact that someone has prophesied over me that I'm going to live a long time probably means I'm probably not going to die anytime soon. Okay, Just a thought. And so those words that God has spoken over you through others, those promises that you have, we write those promises down, we write the vision down, and then we do what it takes to qualify for the, for the, for the, the blessing and the position that God has for us. That should have helped somebody. He speaks a word in our heart and spirit, tells us just, just a little, Robbie, just a little creaks of the, the, the door, just a tiny bit, and you look in there, and you know that you're headed there, but Pastor Todd, to effectively operate where God wants you to be, you got to do some stuff you've never done. You've got to be able to tap into that supernatural vein where you actually believe that God doesn't just hear, but he answers, and that God has not just given us some pipe dream, but God has placed something of significance in our life. That was the guy on the, on the video. No hands, no arms, no legs. But, and there was one part of the video I, I kind of wanted you to see is where he goes through the effort of opening a DVD player, getting the DVD out, and putting it in the, in the player. It's like things that we, we take for granted, for just opening the car door, brushing. You saw there that he had, to, he had his razor, and, he, and, he, and things like that. We never thank God for the ability to shave. We men think it's a curse. I know you girls do. Lord, it takes me so long to get my face. I can't imagine how much time you spend on your legs. Hello. No wonder, the, no wonder the candles are all burnt out in the bathroom and we don't have any extra light. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm on leg number two, area thigh calf. Okay, I said, all right, I'll see you in a half hour. I'm going to run to Walmart. I'm going to run to Walmart. I'll be, I'll be back But I, 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 I really believe there's something that we are not tapping into. And I think the reason that we're not tapping into them is the Apostle Paul said, in everything, in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. But then Paul interjects something in there that none of us really like, and it says to make sure to be thankful for everything that God has done in your life. And I think that, I think that the reason a lot of us don't have the ability to be thankful for what God has done in our life, let me rephrase that. I think the reason a lot of us are overwhelmed by bad stuff that happens, maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe, but it, it obviously happens. I think the reason that we're overwhelmed by that is because we never have taken into inventory the things we have been blessed with and been thankful for. And so when you think about shaving with your hand, you think about jumping in a swimming pool, you think about getting in and out of a car, you think about putting a DVD. Who, who, who spends the morning thanking God for the 800,000 things that we just normally Naturally, take for granted. And so I think that, (coughs) I think when the storms come, and the storms will come, and the bad times come, and the dark times come, I think it's important to remember who we are in Christ, adopted, what rights we have, all of them, and the promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. Now, setting you up for Mark 4, Many people believe that Mark was a pretty good friend of Peter's, and that a lot of the writings of Mark were actually eyewitnesses' account of what Peter told Mark. We know in this Matthew Mark, we know in this particular setting, I, I believe I can show you in the Word of God that Mark was actually a witness to this particular storm. But here we here we've got here we've got the the, the disciples of the Lord. In a trying time that looks like they could not survive, but to set this but to set this chapter up correctly, I need to back up to the day before the storm. Minister taking place, the multitude had gathered there on the on the on the uh, lakeside. The Lord is using water as an amplifier. He's projecting his voice to thousands, and he starts talking about the simple truth of a seed. It talks about the different types of soil a seed can be planted, and it talks about an area of expectation over seeds that are planted. That That if you sow it in good dirt, you get it covered, you get it watered, you get it fertilized, something good is going to come of that seed. And so probably one of the most important genres or one of the most important lifestyles that we need to live by is the fact that God honors seed. I, I got a real uh, sad Facebook, and I'll say this because this person will never will never, never, come to our church, but uh, there's someone in my life that I just know on a, on a, a really uh, broad basis, uh, like paying for gas, going in, get a cup of coffee, and that's, that's how I... I know this person, but I, I noticed yesterday, this person was really, really having a, bar, a bad time. And she had a list of about eight or 20 things that she wanted to get off her chest, and they were all sad. They were all sad. I, 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 nobody likes me. My mom's dead. My, my dad's dead. My grandma's dead. I'm overweight. I'm miserable. I'm alone. I'm And I read that, you know. And, of course, I'm in a tree stand. I've got you know I'm there by myself, a time to reflect. And so just just very carefully, so she would not be offended, very carefully... I touched on two things that she had mentioned, and I touched on the fact that she was had a wonderful smile. That she was a, when she smiled, she had a wonderful smile. And so I told her about I told her about if if you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly, and you want and you want you want to smile, you, you, you reap a smile. So it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like I know this sounds silly, but on Facebook, a door opens for me to tell her, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you begin to smile and encourage one another, encouragement is going to be brought in your life. If you begin to reflect and let God's love shine through you, that reflection of planning that, that moment in somebody's life, it will not return void, but it will come back blessed. That was the powerful, powerful truth of the, of, the, of, the, of the teaching. But at the end of that teaching, here's what Jesus says. Let's get in a boat and let's go to the other side. Now, I'm really surprised that someone has not taken those three words, have not written a book on that particular commandment. Let's go to the other side because he has something for them on the other side that was not on the side they were on. And there was a reason why they had to go to the other side. And I, I believe that they had to go to the side to, 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 to live the storm to survive the storm, to be in the middle of the storm, that he might teach them another aspect or the phase of who he is or what he wanted to do in their life. And so today, as we sit here, not sure what the week unfolds, not sure what, we might, what news we might get Monday or what plans we, we, we make. Sometimes I believe God allows us to go through stuff to teach us stuff. Okay, you know the story, they're headed across the Sea of Galilee, I've been there. It's a crazy, crazy ocean. It's an ocean without tides, it's manipulated by the moon, it's in a basin, it's it's surrounded by cliffs, and it's such a small body of water that when the wind comes, it immediately overreacts and these gusty winds, these storms from hell is famous for the Sea of Galilee. It was on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus walked on the water. But here they are, they're in the boat with Jesus, and what is so funny? The Bible says that Jesus is on a pillow. I mean, does not God have a sense of humor? Jesus is on a pillow taking a nap, taking air, a storm from hell. The, the Bible says that the water has overfilled their vessel. They think that they're sinking. Can anybody relate? Have you ever been in a place where you felt like this boat is probably not going to make it to the shore and I'm on this boat and I don't have a clue what I'm going to do? maybe go to walmart spend a little money maybe whatever i i don't have a clue i mean have you ever felt have you ever felt like sometimes you got like the greatest revelation you got the greatest truth you got the, the best anointing at OCI you got touched it at at a, at a conference and then it's like the next day all hell not just some hell not a little hell all hell like it's like there's a big circle on your back and the enemy's taking cheap shots at you i mean if it felt like the, felt that way Even though you felt close to God and you felt his presence, you went to a camp meeting, you listened to something on the radio, you listened to a CD, you really felt motivated, encouraged, then it's like like somebody just actually ripped the rug out from underneath and what you thought was solid, you're flat on your face, in pain, worried about the next moment of your life. That's where they were. That's what they were. Two things, though, they had forgotten. Number one, Jesus had told them something that they needed to do before the day was over, and number two, Jesus was on board. <laughs> How crazy is that? They forgot the master of the wind. They'd seen him raise the dead. they seen him feed the multitude. they seen him do all, all great things, but it seemed like they had him limited to a box. And so Jesus is, you know, business as usual. He had something to do on the side, and so he was taking a little power nap so he could rest a little bit, And the disciples, you know, they all think they're going to die. You know what? It it just wasn't them, but there were other boats with them. And this is one of the boats that I think that John John Mark was in that wrote this chapter. But, But I think that as they begin to call out to Jesus, sir, hello, do you care that we perish? Well, obviously, you can't perish if Jesus is on board. Let me say it again. Obviously, you're not going to perish if Jesus is on board. But there's something that he wants to teach you. And so they wake him up, you know, and he's, he's having a parent up, got a little pillow there going on, maybe maybe a little latte. I don't know what he has got. A little, kind of camped out there, a little snack, a little licorice, something about, from Walmart, I'm sure. And all of a, all of a sudden, he gets up. Oh, this, it's a storm from hell. It's literally a storm from hell. And there are people that actually get in vehicles and chase these storms. Listen, my attitude is to go the opposite direction. Somebody on Facebook posted a horrible looking tornado I don't know if you've seen it or not it is a great big tornado and right next to it was like a lightning lightning bolt I don't know if you've seen that on that that someone caught that picture my Lord that's the worst place to be where there's a thunder where there where there's a tornado and lightning at the same time hello but there are people that seem to pursue like or maybe there are people that just live their life so carelessly they don't care what storms they wander into or step into or overwhelmed by but they woke him up and when it woke him up his storm was raging Three words, peace, be still. And they got more freaked out by the fact that he had the ability to calm the storm than the fact that there was a storm. I think it would be good at times if we got more freaked out about the miracles he operates in our life and the blessings he brings in our life. If we got more freaked out over that, then we got freaked out over the circumstances. I believe there needs to be a sense of awe a sense of honor, a sense of appreciation that God is faithful. And if he told you to go to the side, come hell or high water, you're going to make it to the side. It's going to happen. You're going to be there. And so I wonder, just a thought, I wonder if he allowed them to go through the storm to teach them that they could survive the storm. I mean, There are times when God will take you out there are times when God will not let you walk the full path, or there are times when God will walk with you. I, th- I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a perfect example. They were told what would happen if they didn't bow, and one of them said to the king, You know, you you say what you will, you say what's going to happen, you say you're gonna cast us in, in the fire furnace. If it be so, our God is able to deliver us from the furnace. So their attitude was if, if you do what you say you're going to do, our God is going to provide, our God is going to supply, and then there are those that before you get to the storm, God yanks you out of the storm. You don't, you, you don't come out swimming like smoke. You weren't in the storm, or you're in a storm, and it's, and it's obvious that God is close. And I think those are the storms of life that are the lessons of life that we learn from the things of God. And when I think about a storm, and I think about sleeping, I think about Jonah. Now, be careful. Be careful. I don't have a lot of time here. I want to conclude. When I think about Jonah, Jonah is in a storm, but Jonah is in the bottom of the ship asleep. Now it, this is my assumption. I mean, you don't have to buy into it. It's not important you buy into. But Jonah obviously was mad at God, didn't want to go where God wanted him to go, got in a boat in the opposite direction, and then took a nap. And I don't know how he, I don't know how he napped at this storm, uh, Gerald, other than to say there's a possibility he might have medicated. There's a possibility he might have got a bottle of wine and said, I'm going to the bottom. Don't leave me alone. Don't bother me. And he just got good and drunk and was sleeping through the storm because the Bible said the storm was so bad that everybody was throwing stuff overboard to lighten the load. Everybody was calling upon their gods. And the captain of the ship somehow, Chris, knew something about Jonah. Obviously knew he was a man of God and obviously knew that he had a God because the captain wakes Jonah up and says, listen, Call upon your God so that we be spared. Well, Jonah knew exactly what was going on. Jonah was walking in complete disobedience of of God. So God allowed a storm to turn Jonah's life around. So, so know this. There are three things why you have storms in your life. Thing number one, I believe the reason you have a storm is that you learn how to overcome. Line upon line, precept upon precept, you learn how to overcome every obstacle in life, knowing that God has given you the ability to walk through the storm. I think the second I think the second thing that reason the storms will come into your life is a wake-up call to remind you you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not where you're supposed to be. And it is it is a where the storm in Jonah's life brought him back to where he was supposed to be, there are things that will happen in your life. And I was reflecting on this today, there are things that will happen in your life where you've got the perfect life planned out. You've got the college. You've got the job after college. You've got the promotion. You've got this. You've got this. All these things that you have purposed and all the things, things that you have planned, and then all of a sudden it's like the things you plan and things that you purpose are not turning out like you thought they would. And I think, I think, Becky, I think you and I probably can relate is that so many times in life we just assume the norm and just say, hey, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be what it is. I believe everyone in this house can relate to the fact that, well, you know, we're probably going to graduate from high school. It's probably a good idea. And then we're going to go on to law school, which is probably a pretty good idea. We graduate from law school. We're going to be a California state trooper for a couple of years. Probably a good idea. Then go back to law and, and pass the bar exam and become a defense attorney or a prosecuting attorney and then, and then I'll probably, hello, then I'll probably get married and I'll probably have a couple of kids and then I'll probably go to law school. And it's like, so it's so easy. Stay with me just for a minute. It's so easy to, to say, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is the way that's going to flow. And how dare there be a kink in that plan? How dare there be a, hello? How dare there be a twist in that plan? And I got to thinking about, about law school. Going to law school, unfortunately, I got messed up with marijuana and alcohol, and then and then as I pursued being what God wanted me to do, what God wanted me to do, I got married like everybody else. I thought marriage would be, you know, you stayed married. I did not. I was divorced, and when you, when you think about have kids, you're gonna have kids. They're gonna come home. They're gonna be normal. Courtney came home with a defective heart, and then it's even even in in ministry. I I I preached four years as a divorced evangelist. I can't even tell you some of the mixed emotions that brought up in the congregations. Only one time was I ever canceled because I was divorced. The rest of the times the pastor worked with me. But it was tough. It was tough being an evangelist as a divorced evangelist. That was a tough season in my life. And then, and then having, having for Church of the Harvest to start the way it started. I mean, these are things that they're not the norm. Does that make sense? Things, things aren't always going to go the way that you plan them. There's going to be a bump in the road or, or, or a rut or something that you're going to have to improvise, you're going to readjust, and go on. It was a, it was a great birthday. Pastor Ron asked me where I want to turn 60, and I've always had a crush on Minnie Mouse. So I said, I want, to, I want to turn 60 in Disneyland. Minnie, in my arms. Well, we got to Disneyland, and we got Minnie, but she was too busy, hello, to take a picture with. Oh, she would take, am I telling you? With the little kids, but she was too, I was going to pick her up, and I was going to get a, then i probably hurt my back or something. Anyway, uh, so I, so, I, so we ter- we turned 60 in California. So it was a blast, and we had taken Courtney uh, 10 years ago, did the very same thing. So it was a blast taking her, and are going to love this story, taking her to where, you know, I grew up where I played in the street, the schools I went to, took her to the Huntington Beach Pier where, you know, uh, there was a window in my life with the, with the marijuana, alcohol, the Huntington Beach pier was just a place that we would go fish all night and 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 spend the night on the pier, drink, get stoned, all of that. That was just something that we chose. We fish for sharks. It's something we chose to do. So it was it was cool to take Christine to the pier to walk to walk the pier. Well, the pier was much darker than I remember, and it was much more m- morbid. I guess is what I'm looking for than I remember. And there was like some really weird people at the end of the pier sleeping and getting drunk, taking pictures. And so <laughs> here we go. So when, when Christine asked me, so well dad, what did you what did you do with all those weirdos that were all around you and, and everything? And I said, Well, according to Christine, I was the weirdo. <laughs> okay, think about that for just a moment. You were, you were someone's nightmare. You were that you were that, that guy that hung around the pier that people are afraid to go and check out the pier. And so when I, when I think of the storms that God has brought us and the places that God has brought us to, I think we're exactly where we need to be. I think we're doing exactly what we need to do. And something that is so cool about God is he will retest us, retest us, retest us, retest us. And what is so neat about, about the word of God is that Every time you, you experience a test, it's always open book. It's always open book. And there's somebody in here that you, that you, that you can relate to. There's somebody in here that you, that you parallel with. There's somebody in here that, that, that God can bless you with. So three things. The storm. Might be, you might be in the, in the storm just to see the goodness and the favor of God. The second reason you might be in the storm is to remind you of the things that you needed to do, that you kind of dropped the ball. And the third reason you might be in the storm is that you're to take complete authority over that storm, rebuke it and bind it by the blood of Jesus, and let the power of God and the glory of God flow through your life. Is that a good word this morning? Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for? <clears throat> in everything, give thanks. Pastor told me I never thought that I would ever give thanks for a divorce. I never thought, Becky, that I'd give thanks for a financial failure. I never thought I would give thanks for a child that had heart disease. But as you grow with God, as you walk with God, there are things that God strategically will place in your life just to open your eyes to show you that where you're at now, you weren't there yesterday. And where you're at today, you won't be there tomorrow. It's a path called holiness, and we're walking together in everything with prayer in supplication, thanking God for what He's already done, expecting Him to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Praise the Lord. Well, if you if you just reach up, uh, uh, Keith, and turn that clock back seven minutes, I can say, I got thanks, Angel. Turn it back so so it's uh, one minute till noon, and uh, we can all head to wherever we're going to head. Uh, thank you for sharing. In, in the past twenty four years, the the Davises have shared. All the good times and all the bad times with this house and with this fellowship uh, it is an honor to celebrate.